Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. A lot of us are working from home these days. People are staring at screens, looking at their phones, looking at their computers, their laptops, their televisions. Do you know how much this could actually affect your vision? And what are some of the things that could happen to your eyes that maybe you're just a little reluctant to go see your doctors these days and you think, oh, this will get better, but when won't it? Well, I am lucky to be joined on the line today with Dr. Kenneth Jang. He is a comprehensive eye care specialist, and he also has a specialty in neuro-ophthalmology. So we're going to talk today about what are some of the urgent issues that can happen with your eye, how to identify what they are, and when should you absolutely call your provider. Dr. Chung, welcome to The Body Show. Thank you, Kathy, for inviting me on The Body Show. You have a very informative show with a huge audience, so it's an honor to be here. Well, it's an honor to share your message. Now, let's talk a little bit about common eye issues. A lot of what you do during the day is probably to see routine people coming in for regular visits. But now folks might not be able to do that. So what are some of the things that people might have previously come in for? And how are you handling that now when they're not able to come to the office? Well, the eye care industry has been affected like every other industry during this time. And uh, although eye care professionals are considered essential workers, uh, we've really been limited to visits that are urgent or emergent. And so there's a slew of eye care problems out there that uh, still need attention. Because eye care is one of those things where um, if you catch it and you treat it soon enough, you could prevent a lot of the problems, but if you neglect it, things can get really, really bad. You could lose your vision. Uh, Slowly, but yes, you can, definitely. So what are some of the common things that people might underestimate that potentially could progress? So I would absolutely say glaucoma is one of them. And what's been happening is uh, without patients being able to visit their eye care doctors, uh, you can't get your, your pressure checked. And pressure is one of the most pivotal things of eye pressure, right? And so uh, glaucoma is a very important one that if you have, if you run out of drops, please call your eye doctor to refill that. Uh, another one is diabetes. Uh, diabetes are, is one of those diseases that can uh, really affect your vision. And uh, it, uh, unless you're able to view the back of the eye and do some of the tests that we do, it's very, very difficult to detect. Um, another one is, of course, macular degeneration. And uh, the treatment for macular degeneration, especially for the the wet type, you need to uh, deliver medications into the eye. So if you're not able to uh, make the visit, uh, it could definitely affect your vision. So it sounds like if you have a diagnosis of glaucoma or diabetes or macular degeneration, these are not the sorts of visits that you could put off or extend for months at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think when uh, COVID became an issue, the idea was that we would shut down for uh, a few weeks, maybe a month or so. But it's becoming increasingly, I think, clear that this is going to be with us for quite some time. So the idea of just holding it off for a month or two, I I don't think that applies anymore. When you brought up a very good point, which is glaucoma drops don't run out and don't ration those. 
You know, it's something that if if you're supposed to use drops more than once a day, don't just say, hey, I'll just use it once a day or every other day, because that really is not effectively treating the pressure issue that you have in your eye. Uh, Yes, that's absolutely correct, Kathy. So again, if you run out of drops, just like if you run out of any kind of medications, very, very important to contact your your eye care provider and uh, to to, uh, refill those prescriptions. Now, if your eye doctor's office is closed, could you just call your primary care provider? Do they have the ability to prescribe some of those same medications on an emergency basis? I think so. Um, uh, And definitely most people will. I guess the question right now is, in lieu of not being able to go to your provider, what is an alternative to communicate with your provider? And I think that might bring up an issue of telehealth. Well, it's something I've been trying in my office, and I'm not the most computer-talented person, but there are some different platforms that seem to be more user-friendly. What have you found to be some of the advantages and maybe disadvantages to using telehealth in your practice? Well, nothing really substitutes an in-office patient visit, right? And uh, telehealth is a way to connect the patient and the provider. And there are wonderful things about telehealth, especially when you're trying to reduce exposure to uh, COVID-19. But there's also inherent limitations. The biggest limitation, I think, is getting the doctor and the patient on the same platform, like you mentioned. Um, prior to COVID-19, uh, HIPAA, well, the, the Medicare had a lot of restrictions on different platforms that you could use, and they were very, very difficult. And now they've allowed uh, platforms, common platforms like FaceTime, Skype, uh, and a number of other things out there like Zoom. But still, it's really been difficult to get patients and doctors on the same platform. Can I ask what your experience has been like with that? Yes, it, you know, it's it's uh, hard to say because probably about 50% of my patients are over 65. So if they are not technologically savvy and they ask me what to do, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help them. But for those that actually have either themselves figured it out or have kids or grandkids who figured it out, yes. you know, the, the doxy.me website has worked pretty well. I've done a few FaceTime visits because I have it on my phone and it makes it pretty easy. But that only works if the person has FaceTime on their phone. Yeah. It's it's a little difficult. You know, I think for me, because a lot of what I do is rechecks and they don't require things like eye pressure, which is so essential, then it lends itself to a slightly easier experience. I can only imagine that if you're dealing with someone who has serious eye issues, it might not be, although it's convenient, it might not give you the same level of care. So, yes, I, I think when you try to break down what happens during a medical visit, there's the first part where you're gathering information from the patient. Um, and then for something like that, a telephone call works very, very well. Uh, then the second part of the visit is where the provider is trying to gather information. And so if there's a, a video component to the, the telecommunication or the, the telemedicine visit, then you can try to see, you know, is there a rash around the eye? Is the eye red? Is there something weeping? But you can't really look into the eyeball, and you can't take the magnified measurements that that we really rely on to make the diagnosis. So um, telehealth uh, 
uh, medicine is very, very useful in triaging problems, uh, but sometimes it, it, it's not sufficient. Uh, again, because we're considered essential uh, workers after a telemedicine visit, if uh, you, we need to, to, to uh, do some more things, then at that point we would ask the patient to come in. But again, the, the big thing is really trying to get people to connect on the same platform. Now, when you have certain situations where you might identify somebody has to come in to be seen, are there certain characteristics of what symptoms they might experience for different problems that could help them to key into, okay, this just isn't the average situation, I need to be checked out? What symptoms would patients have to realize would indicate trouble? So when we're gathering a history, it's really trying to identify what the problem is, how severe the problem is, and how fast it came on. Um, and so if you were to categorize something uh, like, a, like a traumatic event where someone had a, a nail injury to the eye, that is a, a big problem that is severe and it came on really, really fast. If someone had a stroke to the eye, that is also a severe depression in your vision that came on really fast. So I would say the severity of the problem, right, uh, how fast and how suddenly it came on, and how much it depressed your normal baseline vision, those point toward how urgent an eye problem is. So if we think about things that might have gone on sort of gradually, somebody might say, over the last few months I've had a little bit of a problem. That mm-hmm. may not suggest the same level of urgency as I woke up, my vision was blurry in my left eye, and it hasn't gotten better throughout the whole day. Yes. So uh, there are eye issues like cataracts. And with cataracts, typically your vision would not uh, become depressed all of a sudden. It would become more gradual. And you might have noticed it here and there. And and as you pay more attention to it, you start to notice a little bit more. As opposed to something like, let's say, uh, you start seeing flashes, sudden flashes of light. And then you start seeing a bunch of uh, black dots and a part of your vision starts to go missing. Or let's say you are cleaning and some bleach gets into your eyes. So the mechanism of injury, the onset, and how fast it comes on, those things all, uh, all tie into the urgency of, of, the eye pro- of the eye problem. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here talking with Dr. Dr. Kenneth Chong. He's a comprehensive eye care specialist, and he also practices right here on Oahu. When we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the other ocular emergencies and what are some tips and things you can do at home to make sure that you help your vision not necessarily get deteriorated through all of this time when we might be on screens and computers and phones way too much. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio, and we're talking today about visual problems. What could happen? What are signs of concern? And what are some things that you could potentially get checked out when you when you have an opportunity to come back and see your eye doctor? Now, right before the break, we were talking about the mechanism of action and how quickly eye problems occur, and that could be a sign that something might be pretty severe and need to be checked out. You mentioned 
mentioned uh, cleaning supplies, Dr. Kenneth. You mentioned that sometimes people might be exposing themselves and get a little bit of bleach in their eye. If somebody has some type of a exposure, well, how how exactly should they take care of that? And what exact, what do you mean when you say wash your eye out? How does somebody do that? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, nothing beats a good cleaning. So if something gets into your eyes, I would say put your eye under the water faucet, turn it on. You might have to make your head horizontal so that the, the so that the stream is going right on your eyeball, and flush it for a good few minutes, and that'll uh, help uh, uh, keep the the bleach from uh, uh, coagulating and damaging any ocular tissue, and and most irritants. So that's the that's the best thing to do is just flush it out, flush it out. So if you can't get your head underneath the faucet, could you just like get a big a big pitcher or a big cup and start pouring it and kind of put your head over the sink so you catch some of the water? Could you do that too? I could imagine getting a hose. Uh, you could go into the shower. Uh, anything. The, the idea is to flush it out. Flush, flush it, out. it out immediately. What would be the sign if that wasn't going to work? If you had an exposure, whether it be a chemical exposure, bleach, or something else in your house, and you flush it out and you start, what other symptoms would be a sign? Okay, got to go to the ER or got to call my eye doctor. Would you have immediate loss of vision, or would that be something that might take a little while for that? chemical or exposure to have an effect? Well, uh, so a few things. When, when, we, when you're talking about eye issues and you're trying to categorize uh, what might be affected, one is uh, the idea of how your vision is affected. So if, if you have a chemical injury to the eye, uh, definitely I think your vision would start to become blurry. Maybe not right away, but the blurriness might escalate over time, or it might become pronouncedly bad right away. The other thing would be pain. And if the irritant damages the surface tissue in the front of your eye, the clear part of your eye, then you would have quite a bit of pain as well. Also, your eye could look really red when you look in the mirror. So I would say, you know, if if you get anything in your eye, uh, if it's during the day and uh, you can reach your optometrist or your ophthalmologist, please call. Uh, I think a visit to the ophthalmologist office or the optometric office beats going to the urgent care or emergency room because it's, you know, the wait times are long and sometimes, uh, well, oftentimes they don't have the equipment again that we have uh, to, uh, to make exact, the diagnosis of exactly what's going on. Now, you mentioned optometrist or ophthalmologist. How do people know which particular uh, person that they see and what si- sorts of things might each be able to handle? Well, ophthalmologists and optometrists, uh, we both uh, uh, deal with, uh, with the eyes. Um, I, I would say if you have a relationship with someone and you already have someone who takes care of your eyes, then the first person to call would be that person. Go there. Uh, go there. Go there. And if they don't know or they say you need something else, they'll at least be able to direct you accordingly. Yes, yes. Now, when we talk about problems that you know I think of as relatively urgent and people might underestimate the severity of the symptoms, I think of things yeah. that require urgent treatment like retinal detachments. What yes. would be the symptoms of that and how might somebody be able to detect that in their vision? Because to me, you know, the red eye, the injured eye, the eye suddenly lost vision. And then there's the slightly more subtle problems that might not present as serious as they really are. Thank you for asking that question. Uh, 
if a retinal detachment occurs in the bullseye of your eye, right in the middle of your eye, then you're going to notice some very severe and obvious visual distortions. The problem is, is that when a retinal detachment occurs in the periphery of the eye, you might not necessarily know. So what you want to pay attention to are some preceding uh, symptoms. And some preceding symptoms, like we said earlier, might be flashing lights. Uh, it, it could be a part of your vision where you see a lot of black dots or things that appear to be like spider webs. Uh, this suggests that something is going on in the eyeball that could cause a hole to occur that you might not immediately recognize. So if you start to see, you mentioned black dots in the vision, flashing lights, periphery or center, that's a cause of concern. Yes, and so those are one of those things where even if your vision isn't completely decreased, it's worthwhile to try to connect through telehealth or through a phone call uh, with uh, the, the, the optometrist, ophthalmologist who has been taking care of you. And that's because there's a time element to that. If you let it go too long, that could potentially cause some serious troubles. You can't always reattach it. Yes, absolutely right. So uh, the, the, the whole thing about triaging is about trying to determine how, how acute the problem is and how soon you need to intervene. And before you intervene, you do have to make a, a visit to the eye doctor again so that you can dilate the pupil and look all the way around. Is there a time frame after which surgery just wouldn't be effective? If you've had this and you've waited like four weeks, could you still potentially have some type of correction? Or is this something where, you know, after a certain amount of time, there's not much you can do? Uh, So uh, retinal detachment is considered one of those true ophthalmic emergencies. Uh, So if the hole, again, is in the periphery, uh, as long as it doesn't get to the center, you want to try to fix it. But once it involves the center, you only have a certain window of time. So, again, it's, it's, it's something that uh, if it happens, uh, please call. Now, what would be, we talked at the top of the hour about glaucoma, diabetes, macular degeneration. What would be a sign that glaucoma and the pressure was potentially getting worse? What might be some physical signs someone would have that would help them to understand, hey, this is a serious issue. I've got to get it checked out. They say glaucoma is one of the is the silent cause of blindness. Uh, just like hypertension, you don't really notice it until it's too late. So there's different types of glaucoma. I would say that if you've had a recent eye visit in the last year or so, and that concern wasn't brought up, then the chances of of of, of going blind from uh, primary open angle glaucoma is very very low. Um, in Hawaii, we, we have a large Asian population, and there's another type of glaucoma called angle closure glaucoma that is uh, very prevalent, in, in, especially in Asian women. If you have an acute angle closure, that's when the pressure in your eye just skyrockets all of a sudden. And things that you can notice is, one, pain. Uh, two, your vision starts to get blurry quite suddenly uh, and does not get better. So if you have pain, and again, this goes back to triaging yourself at home. If you have pain and blurred vision, uh, then that's a reason to, uh, again, uh, call and, and make a visit. Because if you don't treat that, the angle closure could result in loss of vision. Irreversible blindness, yes. 
irreversible blindness. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I am talking today to my ophthalmology expert. That's Dr. Kenneth Chong. He is a comprehensive eye care specialist here in Hawaii. And when we come back, we're going to talk some more about some of the signs and symptoms that it might be time to get your eyes checked out that might not be an emergency situation. When can you wait? And what are some ways that you can help improve your vision with just some things you can do at home? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Locations, Haleakala Waldorf School, and Honolulu Waldorf School. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here in the studio, and I'm talking with an ophthalmology expert, my buddy, Dr. Kenneth Chung. He is a comprehensive eye care specialist, and we're talking today about eye emergencies. But there's also some things that we could also do at home to try and help ourselves. Is that right? Am I doing myself some harm by watching Netflix on my phone at you know midnight? Is this a bad idea? I guess it depends on if you've been watching Netflix all day. I hope um, not. <laughs> um, you know, one, one of the things that, that people have been calling in about and complaining more about is eye pain. And they describe the eye pain as uh, uh, feeling dry, uh, as if they have grits of sand in there, or their eyes just feel tired, they can't focus up front. And uh, I would say that's not, usually it's not uh, an emergency issue. And if you probe the history a little bit more, what you inevitably find is that, again, sheltering in place and for whatever reason, other reasons, uh, people have been looking at digital devices for an extended period of time. Uh, when I ask people what's an extended period of time, uh, the answer ranges anywhere from uh, four hours to eight to nine hours. So we could kind of talk about what happens uh, to the eyes when you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And now I haven't necessarily been just staring at a screen, but, you know, we see patients, but we also do televisits and we're doing a lot of computer work, electronic medical records. And then you go home and maybe you have some more things to catch up on. So I don't think, or maybe you watch TV. I don't think it's that far removed to think that people might be doing some of these things on devices or on televisions for a lot of hours of the day, maybe more than they expect. So if the, there, there's a couple of things. So when you're looking at a screen, one, you're focusing on something that's close. And for any of our audience members out there who are past the age of 42 or 43, that becomes increasingly difficult, right? You might be able to sustain it for 10, 15 minutes, but after a certain while, it gets harder to see. So what's happening, one, you're unable to focus up close for extended periods of time. That in itself is a challenge. Another Check, thing that starts to happen that. when you're when you're looking at a screen or you're reading is that your blink rate goes down, and blinking is absolutely important. They're like the windshield wipers on a on a car, uh, where it, it lubricates the front of your eye so it stays moist. If your eyes don't get the lubrication that it needs, then it starts to feel dry and it dries out. Uh, the third thing is is uh, and again. <laughs> I don't want to get at the blue light, but uh, when you're looking at a screen, there are waves of light that are just constantly emanating to the corneas that drives it out even further. So the combination of 
of, of using those tiny eye muscles for extended periods of time, looking at a device up close, combined with not blinking your eyes, which reduces the, 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 the replenishment to the front of your eyes, and just that screen, uh, the minute amounts of radiation that hits your eyes for extended periods of time, it, it results in uh, a general feeling of discomfort, of grittiness, and just your eyes feeling tired and going, oh, yeah. So can you fix it by just getting off the devices and blinking your eyes a bunch, or do you have to change your exposure to light? Does it get better when you're outside? So I think a few things that you can do is, one, make sure that there's not an air conditioning vent or a fan blowing right into your face, just like when you're driving in a car, you want to push the vents away from your face. Uh, another thing is if you have to be on screen because of your work, I would put a bottle of artificial drops right next to uh, uh, your, your cup of water or right next to the screen so you could hydrate with artificial tears, you know, every hour, every two hours or so. Um, and the other thing is, you know, every 20 minutes or so, uh, I, I can't remember the, the exact name of the rule, but you want to look off into the distance so you can relax your eyes again before using those tiny eye muscles to focus up close. So put away any type of blowing vents away, use some artificial tears every once in a while, and just get in the habit of taking a, like a stretch break, uh, a stretch break for the eyes where you look far into the distance. Could it be improved at all if you just got reading glasses, or is that just a temporary measure that's not really addressing your screen habits or dry eyes? That is a great suggestion, uh, Kathy. Uh, you know, my kids, they're, they're six and eight, and with distance learning, the amount of time they're spending on an iPad is just, is, is, is just atrocious. Um, and so I've actually put them in reading glasses. Uh, uh, I put them in a pair of plus one reading glasses. And again, the power that you need all depends on your baseline refractive state. Um, so, it's, it's, so it's hard to say, uh, you know, just blanketly who needs what. But um, any type of glasses that, that, that relax your eyes when you're focusing on something near, I think it is very, very useful. Well, and I must admit, there are places like Costco or the pharmacy where you can try on reading glasses and see which ones help you the most. And yes, I have done it, and I'm probably just going to have to just bite the bullet and buy some of those pairs soon because I've noticed that uh, it's it's certainly it's happening. So getting reading glasses could actually improve how your eyes do long-term. True? Uh, so... <sighs> You know, so a lot of people are fearful of using reading glasses. That would be me. They're, they're, they're fearful that they're going to become dependent on them. Exactly. I'm afraid. I'll have to use them all the time. Then they're not reading glasses. They're just like all-the-time glasses. But it's kind of like wearing shoes outside. Uh, just because you wear shoes, it doesn't necessarily mean you become dependent on them. It's just more comfortable. And <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, so I think me. wearing reading glasses, it, it doesn't make your vision worse. And, and I think that's the concern. Uh, the, the, the process of, of, of not being able to see up close uh, medically, that's termed presbyopia. It's something, it's a gift that comes with, uh, with, with, with age. So mm -hmm. it's something that you can't deny. And if it helps you see better, if it helps you see better, uh, then, then there's no problem doing it. So I can't just return that gift, return to sender? <laughs> Just got to own that one. All right. Well, and it's, I, I agree. If it's something that's going to help you with your vision, going to help you long term, 
it's probably better. Now, the reason you put your kids in the glasses because it'll help to relax their eye strain because they're on iPads all day? Yes, I, I, I truly believe that it helps. So anybody there, who's... There have been some studies also uh, uh, that have shown that it reduces the rate of, uh, of, of, uh, of becoming more nearsighted and things like that. And some of my colleagues will disagree, but again, uh, it's, to me, it's better to be safe than sorry. Well, it certainly sounds like that's the case for a lot of the things we talked about today. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. We'll have some contact information for your office available on our website so that if people have more concerns and they think, hey, I've got to go get my eyes checked out, they'll know exactly who to see and what to do. I want to thank you for sharing all of that information. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on Hawaii Public Radio. Dot .org follow the links to the body show our engineer is David Chong I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak and we will see you next week when we talk about more health topics right here on the body show we'll see you then